BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to start a new series of shows for this offseason today. It's called Recollections. It's memories of some non-star Ravens. They can, Actually, they could be star Ravens, but just not at the very top tier of Ravens. They're not trying to get back and reflect upon their careers, and, and people have lots and lots of highlights. These are players who had a few less highlights, uh, but still some memorable plays, and I want people to get involved in this and, and come up with players they'd like to talk about. The first one we're going to talk about today is Laquan Williams, a Baltimore native. Here to t- talk about with me is Slava Cooperstein. Slava, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. How about you? No complaints here. Uh, things are well. I think I'm over the AFC Championship game loss finally. But uh, <laughs> anyway, we are where we are. And uh, we're in the offseason. We're going to have some fun. So uh, you selected Laquan Williams. What what intrigued you about talking about him? So, you know, I, first of all, I'm very proud of this selection because, you know, Laquan Williams, I don't think even qualifies as like a B-tier or a C-tier Raven. And that's really not to, you know, downplay um, him as a player. It's just, you know, he, he was a, he was an undrafted free agent. He was a fringe player. And, uh, you know, when he was called upon to make a play, uh, which is, you know, a couple of the plays we'll be talking about today, he made it count. Um, and I believe he was rewarded with a, uh, Super Bowl ring, um, uh, being, being on the Ravens the second year, but, you know, it all started with Laquan Williams being an undrafted free agent out of Maryland in 2011. Uh, and I think you mentioned he was a local poly high school grad. Um, so it was a feel-good story. Him along with um, uh, Torrey Smith, you know, Terps coming to the Ravens. I think there was a lot of local pride with those two guys coming in. Yeah, I guess if I remember, Torrey Smith was the year before. No, Torrey Smith was rookie in 11. Rookie in yep. 11. Yeah, second yep. round pick. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, it's always a big deal when a when a local player makes the Ravens. Malik Ham is a guy who's who hopefully will make the roster this next year. Is a uh, a guy who may bring some flexibility in terms of uh, being able to drop the coverage and rush the passer. But uh, Laquan, uh, uh, you know, Polly and Maryland is a is a good double to get back here. Um, and uh, he, he had uh, a continued streak of UDFAs who were making it the Ravens for a long time in there. I don't know if there were others in 2011. There probably there might have been, uh, uh, but but he continued it. Um, and then of course he had that big role in that Monday Monday night or Sunday night. I keep forgetting whether it was Monday or Sunday night win against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was definitely a primetime game. 
Um, and uh, and yeah, no, yeah, I mean, you, you you said it exactly right. He was he was tremendously important in that game. And sort of, you know, at at that stage, I'm not I'm not sure if people, you know, depending on how old you are, you may or may not remember how intense that Pittsburgh rivalry was. I mean, really, you know, yes, there was some familiarity with with the Steelers being in division rivals, but really in 2008 when Flacco arrived on the scene, really began a series of brutal, brutal games uh, between us and the Steelers, um, including, you know, seasons in 2008, 2010, and uh, 2014 where we would see them in the playoffs. So, you know, we would see them, you know, two to three times a year. Um, and and they were always well-fought, close games. They had a number of consecutive three-point games. Now, this was not the exact heart of the streak, and I have to actually recall when that actually occurred. I think it was actually after this first – I think it might have been that the game we're going to talk about in a moment started the streak. But anyway, they had a number of consecutive three-point games. And, and the, the, uh, uh, in 2008, they lost all three games to the Steelers, twice during the regular season yep. and then again in the AFC Championship. And that was a big function of that offseason was trying to figure out how could they get better and beat this Steeler team. And then 2009, they came back and they had a win against the Steelers. And I'm trying to remember when it was. There's, there's the Hushmanzada win. It was, I think, in 2010. And I'm trying to remember the 2009 win. Uh, so they had two wins in three Flacco seasons coming into 2011. And, of course, 2011, they destroyed the Steelers in the home opener, 35-7, to seven, uh, won the turnover battle 7 to nothing. And I always say, if you want to go see the greatest games ever for the Mount Rushmore Ravens defenders, who are Suggs, Nada, um, I was, I was going to forget one here, Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, um, they had – all were involved in, I believe, two or more turnovers in that game. But they all had spectacular games and, and uh, it were just a lot of fun to watch. But uh, uh, th- that was the first game. But then the Ravens came into the second game and they needed to win it in order to secure the tiebreaker that would give them the AFC North. Yeah. And the narrative even going into 2011 at that point was that, you know, Flacco and the Ravens were just sort of the little brother to uh, the Steelers at that point. So this was a real opportunity, not only to seize the um, uh, seize the lead in the AFC North, but also uh, just to, you know, plant, you know, plant their flag in the ground as being the class of the AFC North. Um, and it was, you know, a really tremendous game that, at, you know, typical of Raven Steelers, um, uh, sort of games, it was going to come down to the final drive, which at that point brought um, Flacco and the Ravens uh, deep in their own uh, territory, having to march down the length of the field at about the two-minute uh, mark. Yeah, 2.24 to go. They had nine, 92 yards to go. And those are two numbers, by the way, that are really etched in Steelers fans' memory. If you look at the Steelers boards from about that era, you'll see 92 yards. That's what killed us. You know, it's 224 of that game against Baltimore. That's what lost us, you know, blah, blah, blah. They don't always talk about the fact that they went on to the playoffs and got Tebowed in the first round by Denver out there, which was uh, actually pretty funny. Overtime game, Tim Tebow who pretty much ran the football just about every down as he saw fit uh, through through a, a long uh, touchdown pass to uh, to beat the Steelers in, the, in overtime. And I think um, I think that was actually the first um, playoff game that had the modified rule that a field goal would not huh. win 
in overtime that you, that if you got a touchdown it would seal the game but a field goal would not and of course uh you know uh Tebow too I think Demarius Thomas um uh, stiff arming um I want to say uh, Ike Taylor Clark? okay yeah I, I think I think it was Ike Taylor he gave him the old combo breaker and uh went went in the <laughs> went in the end zone uh, that that was a great memory for me but um you know going back to going back to this game I think a lot of people remember this game for um, Flacco going deep into the end zone on the left side to Torrey Smith first and uh, Torrey just narrowly missing the catch. I mean, it went right past his outstretched fingertips. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you um, listen to the wired uh, uh, or, or, or whatever in the, for this game, um, you know, Suggs is out there coaching uh, Tory up and saying like, look, we're going to need you again before this is all said and done. So like basically no time to feel bad for yourself. And of course, um, Tory catches in the end zone right after the, 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 I, I still remember very well the Collinsworth commentary um, private pike. So it's NBC. So it must've been Monday, Sunday night football. From this, 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 must've been, this, yeah. this pegs it for me. But anyway, on, on the, on the play to the left, he said, that catch has got to be made. It's it's not a simple catch, but this is a championship moment, and that catch has got to be made. and And he was right just beyond his outstretched fingertips, and um, it, it was one where he, he he probably didn't quite get his body turned um, well enough, and it was a little bit more of a turn than than would be typical on a reception or would be easy anyway. But it was a catchable football, and and one that I'm sure Troy Smith regrets. When you go back to the huddle, the way Flacco describes it after the game, it was next play, next play. And you know he he probably was thinking he'd have to go back to Tory as well with the with the incredible threat that he'd already proved himself to be in that season. Absolutely, I mean, of course, Tory Smith. You know, three first three receptions he ever had were three touchdown bombs against the St. Louis Rams, and um, and of course he goes back to Tory. Um, but uh, incidentally, you just reminded me. You know, is there is was there anything worse than li- listening to Collinsworth during Big Ben's? peak years i mean god he just he just heaped praise upon ben roethlisberger like no one has ever heaped praise on anyone else before i i i never liked a lot of that slobbering um you know there has been a little of both ways the the guy i really like as an announcer who's who a lot of people are surprised by is i think dan deerdorf was just terrific and and he had some moments where he was talking about, in particular in the Mile High Miracle, he thought the ball had dropped on the ground that um, was caught on the right sideline by Bolden for a first down. Mm-hmm. And then he talked about Raheem Moore not making the play, and he says that's his play. That's deep outside. He's got to be there, you know. And and you know we, we just you know kind of celebrate the moment for the Ravens here. And what Joe Flacco yeah. did a little bit is is, is I'm thinking about. It. But the truth of the matter was. Deardorff was an unbelievable, not only, you know, understanding offensive line play, but his understanding of technical broadcasting was at a ridiculously high level. I have a I have a, a cut of the 2000 AFC divisional games at Tennessee. I think he's doing the game with Enberg and Enberg. I mean, he's he'll he'll do the play by play, but he doesn't really handle the technical stuff. I, I, they go to commercial. And and we're still hearing the sound from the booth, and you can hear they were they were talking to Bonnie Bernstein about going to some party and this and that. But but anyway, <laughs> at at one point, uh, you know, it's it's right after the blocked kick is returned ninety yards by Anthony Mitchell, and Deardorf is is he's like the technical director. All of a sudden, he's directing the truck. Okay, give me the all twenty two. Bring it down to ground level. Let me see where he is. 
zoom in on this kind of thing. And, and, and you know, and then all of a sudden they come back from commercial and, and he goes, uh, and uh, Keith Williams, right? Keith, Keith Washington. Yeah. And Keith Washington loses his helmet, but he doesn't lose his head. It just immediately converts back to being a broadcaster. Right? Tremendous respect hearing that, you know, exchange there where, you know, you don't think of the color guy as directing the truck, but he was really very good at that. So um, I really appreciated that. Yeah, you always appreciate the folks who who manage to bring something to the game, to the analysis of the game, without you even realizing that they do yeah. it. Um, so that's 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 special. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, the reason we're here to talk about Laquan Williams <laughs> is that he he basically, uh, I, I think he has four receptions in his entire Ravens career, and uh, maybe six targets. And three of his targets came in this game, and two of his receptions mm-hmm. uh, came in this game. Um, the first of which was a uh, reception on third and ten for for, for fifteen uh, in the second quarter on a drive that eventually became a field goal. That that was really crucial. But in this final drive, the 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 drive that we remember for Torrey Smith getting redemption in the end zone, the drive that we remember for Anquan Bolden, um, you know, making that catch on fourth and one. Um, on, on just an incredible gutsy call, uh, you know, Laquan Williams uh, had a, had a catch for 13 yards on first and 10 um, that took the Ravens to the 42 uh, with two minutes remaining and really helped them get out of their own end zone. And, and it was just remarkable. Yeah. And that was a big, definitely a big play for Williams. It was also three big plays for Bolden on that drive. One of them, uh, was to get them off their own goal line from their own eight-yard line. After they had an incomplete pass, there was a completion of Bolden for about twenty uh, uh, that got them, you know, got them out of their own end zone. It might have been twenty-one. Then, a con- then the, the fourth and one conversion, which was a really big one, and that that play, the play before, um, they went to Williams, I believe, on third and one, and Foot nearly intercepted the football. He had a pass defense and tipped the ball up in the air, and unfortunately, it, it landed on the ground there. Yeah, and, and and actually that wasn't the only near interception in that uh, drive. Um, um, a pass to uh, Ray Rice was nearly intercepted by um, by Palomalu. Yeah, had he, it, I think he had the speed to get there. I honestly just think he thought he didn't anticipate it. Um, you know, he assumed that Ray Rice was going to catch it. At that point, Flacco to Rice was just like magic. You know, uh, and and really good. But what I what I really remember the most about. Um, this drive in particular is um, is that the um, is watching this game. I watched this game with my nephew, and um, and uh, so <laughs> you know, it's just such a nail biter at that point. It's you know, we're down twenty to sixteen. He's just like, oh my god, we're not going to win this game, and he can't watch. He can't watch the drive, so he turns around and just stares at the couch. And uh, you How know, all nephew, of a- by the way. My nephew is only five years younger than me, so at that point he was, um, you know, he was probably he was in high school or maybe in late middle school, something like that. Yeah. Um, no, it would have been high school, yeah, because I was in college. Um, and so, um, you know, he 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 was looking away, and all of a sudden we start like moving the ball, and then so you know, my nephew and my brother-in-law at that point were just like, okay, you need to keep staring at the couch. We're in our superstitious, <laughs> like you have to keep staring at the couch. You know, uh, we, we'll just rewind and rewatch the drive, whatever happens. So all of this happens. We're like freaking out, you know, cheering, uh, you know, and then like our hearts are breaking when like, you know, Flacco doesn't 
you know, convert on third and one. And then we're cheering again when Bolden, you know, makes the catch on fourth and one and all that. And then, and then I just remember, you know, the, we win the game. It's great. We go back and watch the drive and, and then, you know, he's seeing all these, like he, he sees like a pass to Laquan Williams on first and 10. He's like, why, why are we passing to Laquan Williams at this point? And, and just, and just remembering just like the, like his disbelief that this, like, almost never used receiver was so heavily featured on a drive of such consequence. And, you know, it was out of some necessity uh, given, given injuries and depth uh, in the wide receiving core that year. But, you know, at the end of the day, Laquan Williams answered the call. You know, there were, there were two receivers from this era and Williams is one of them. The other one is Tandon Doss who Flacco really seemed to like and, uh, and would go to them more often than you would otherwise think. And then Marcus Smith, he almost never went to, in fact, he never. Marcus Smith never caught a ball for the Ravens. He, he had a famous pass interference uh, 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 call that he drew in the in the 2008 AFC Championship game. But Flacco had his favorites, definitely, and yeah. a whole lot of balls were fed through Pitter Rice, Bolden, and uh, uh, Pitter Rice and Bolden primarily uh, in those years. Yep. And Smith and Smith, and he was actually responsible for Tandon Doss getting drafted. Um, yeah. uh, that was his. That was his guy. Um, so. You know, I wish Flacco uh, the best of luck in his future career, but I'm not sure that being a GM is going to be <laughs> in his future. But, uh, but you know, that's it's it's funny. Just you know, a guy that made a couple plays for your team at a pit of pivotal moment, moment, and you can remember them forever. You know, I think there are a lot of Ravens that fit into this category uh, from over the years. They uh, Marcus Smith, I mentioned already, but uh, I just rewatched the, the 1996 opener. There's a pod out there from yesterday about it. If you want to take a listen, but Ernest Hunter made the only grab of his Ravens career. One, one time, I don't know if he even had another grab with any other team, but uh, a 23 yard reception on the game winning drive in the Ravens opener. It's one of the most unknown players ever to make a really key catch for the, for the Ravens. Billy Davis, had two second and 10 conversions against the Jaguars in the 2000 comeback on that final drive on that game winning drive. And then the, another big one that people often miss, um, uh, give this to the wrong player, Frank Sanders. Uh, he only had a 14 catches as a Raven. And one of them was the 44 yard tip off Marcus Robinson to him on the fourth and 26 or fourth and 28 play against the, Seahawks during that comeback. So these all these players, they just you know they they just have that one moment is all they need in order to be remembered for a very long time by fans in this town. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you, I you know I remember guys like Josh Wilson and Corey Graham who were here yep. for a cup of coffee and they made tremendous consequential plays in their yeah. time. And they, you just they appreciate were great that. players. Yeah, <laughs> just they were, they really came in and saved the day. Both both of them in terms of of who the secondary was in the years they were here. And, and Josh Wilson in 2010, and and Corey Graham in 2012. He played two seasons or just one season with the Ravens. I think I, I believe that we re-signed him, and 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 he played at least one more season. Yeah, okay. I know he was he was incredible. One of the really incredible value signings, and obviously had a huge impact on that Mileham Miracle game. But uh, great that. Uh, a really good choice. And this is kind of the format we want to follow for these shows is to talk about a player and talk about some of the other stories that ran through their career. And obviously we didn't talk exclusively about Laquan Williams in this. Laquan did some other good things for Ravens. He's a really good special teams player, gunner and tackler. Um, a, a guy certainly you know played more than that. Actually, surprisingly, had 100 
snaps where he's on the field as a receiver in this season, which was surprisingly many to me. But you mentioned, you know, injuries had had created some opportunity on this team. For sure, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a name which should live in infamy in Baltimore is uh, Lee Evans, who was injured for most of the 2011 season. And I think most of us remember how his Ravens career ended here. But um, mm-hmm. he stepped in for um, Lee Evans for for a good portion of the season, which was a season where the Ravens really thought that they'd uh, figured their wide, wide receiver room out. Um and uh, you know, to some extent, uh, they were they were correct. I mean, they hit on um, Torrey Smith, but um, you know, the addition of jo- Jacoby Jones um, and his pivotal role in 2012, I think, was um, you know that third dimension that the uh, Ravens receiver room really needed. All right. Well, Slava, really appreciate you coming on and and uh, talking about Laquan with us. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you. I'm on Twitter at Slava Cooperstein. That's S-L-A-V-A-K-U-P-E-R-S-T-E-I-N. All right. Other folks out there, if you're looking to do one of these as well, please hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. Tell me the player you want to talk about, and I'm sure we can come up with a with – a, we thought the discussion about Laquan Williams would only be about 10 minutes, because, but there are a number of offshoots of the Laquan Williams story that are not directly related to Laquan Williams that, that, that were worth discussing, but it, it can be, it can be 10 minutes. It can be 30 minutes, honestly. And the way I want you to think of it is come up with like three recollections about the player and we'll kind of converse about those and, and uh, maybe add one or two others, but uh, really appreciate it. And other folks out there, please uh, hit me up. I'll get right back to you and we'll, we'll get you on the list. Slava, thanks again for joining me. Thanks for uh, having me on. Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on film study. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.